your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. There are calls for the government to move faster on policy to enable Ireland to capitalise on the floating offshore wind sector opportunities in the Midwest. The renewable energy potential from the Shannon Estuary offers a unique opportunity for the future of the region and the country and there have been some very high-powered reports on all of this which we have covered extensively here on the Limerick Today show. But there's now a question as to whether we're moving fast enough to realise this potential. And I'm joined now by the Chief Executive of the Business Body for uh, Limerick, Limerick Chamber, D. Ryan. And we have an expert in this area, consultant Marie Gleeson, uh, with us as well. Um, and first of all, D, um, you're certainly not happy with the rate of progress or the lack of progress on this one. Well, I'd have to say, Joe, looking at it from a Limerick Chamber perspective, we've been advocating for government together with, and it has to be said, um, Pat Keaton, the CEO of the Shannon Voinsport Company, for a number of years to take swift action to realise this opportunity. I mean, ever before COVID and the, uh, the war in Ukraine, the cost of energy inflation and, uh, and all the the, the, the resultant impacts on, on people's lives that we've seen from that, not to mention um, the increasing impacts of climate change on all of our lives. We've, we've been, we've been, there's been a need and there's been an awareness that there's this huge opportunity for developing green renewable energy from the Shannon Estuary region. And with that, an opportunity to develop new new energy, new industries uh, in the Midwest region. So we've been talking about this for a number of years and pushing for government to move as quickly as possible. Now, I, I have to acknowledge that um, in his time as Minister of Enterprise, the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, did, um, did fulfil his commitments and programme to government to uh, to put in together the Shetan Economic Task Force. And having been a member of the task force and continuing to work with the task force on real, on on articulating and realising that opportunity, um, I have to say, you know, I, I do feel there has been some progress that's been made and we have to acknowledge that. Um, but certainly when you think about what's going on right now, with COP, what's going on all around the world, um, no, you know, we are not moving fast enough to realise this opportunity. Yeah, and I suppose it might confuse people a little who aren't uh, following this or involved in it as closely as you are, Dee, because there was a lot of fanfare about the task force and the report. We remember talking to you about it on the show. We talked to uh, others involved heavily in it as well. Uh, and and there, there was a sense that, right, we have momentum now, but now as we come to the end of the year, you seem to be suggesting we don't. Well, I wouldn't, no, I think it's, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say we don't have momentum. I, have, I would have to say that I'm, not, I'm concerned that the progress isn't being made fast enough, as we all are. I think if you were at our Limerick Chamber President's Dinner in November, Joe, you would have heard that each of the key speakers on the stage, our President Miriam O'Connor, uh, Damien Garrahy from AIB and Vincent Canan from Tooth, all talking on with one voice on this topic. This is really a, a critical piece for us here in the Midwest, and we are anxious 
that it's not progressing as quickly as we'd like to. Now, the Shannon Estuary Economic Task Force is continuing to engage with the key government departments on the recommendations um, that, that we made and that were launched in the report back in July, which, as you rightly point out, was was lauded by um, and and lauded by the the Taoiseach and Minister Ryan and Minister Foley and others on the day, and there seems to be an excitement that this was a moment that this this was a key moment for us in, in not just in the Midwest but in Ireland in terms of. Our, our vision for our, our energy into the future and our vision for industry into the future. However, we're impatient. We, you know, the Limerick Chamber and the business community are, you know, are really pushing government to move as quickly as possible on this. So I do continue to work with Shan Lester Economic Task Force under Barry O'Sullivan, who is chair, um, to continue to engage with the different government departments on bringing forward those recommendations, recognising that many of them are national policy focused because they're changes that need to be made at a national level, not just at a local level. So um, I'm acknowledging that that does take a little bit more time. We, uh, we had a meeting with the department officials last Friday, Barry sat down just yesterday for 90 minutes with Minister Coveney. We are anticipating a positive response to our key recommendations in Q1 of 2024. And really, Joe, when you think about the, the difficult news we've had from Wyatt and Mesquiton, um, you know, it's never been more important for us to work together uh, to bring jobs into the Midwest uh, region than it is right now and to realise this opportunity that's off our shores. Right. Uh, we're chatting to D. Ryan, who is the chief executive of the business body, Limerick Chamber. As I mentioned, Marie Gleeson is with us. She's a maritime expert and uh, freelance leadership consultant uh, with uh, knowledge in this area. And good morning to you, Marie. Um, good morning, Joe. So the potential of Foynes, the estuary, Limerick, the region, but also how important it is that all the building blocks are put in place as quickly as possible, even though the jobs and the wind energy won't be immediately realised. Yeah, no, it's absolutely vital. I think for most of your listeners, Joe, they'll have an awareness of onshore supply chains and the timelines involved. But having worked in the maritime, I worked offshore for over 20 years, maritime supply chains, you need very significant timelines to realise them. This infrastructure that we're talking about is very significant. I know your listeners have probably heard this before, but you're talking about putting floating offshore wind turbines the size of the Eiffel Tower, floating 40 kilometres off Loop Head. Now, if you think about what it takes to build a floating offshore wind turbine that's the size of the Eiffel Tower, but you're also looking at the floating structure underneath it, each one of these structures is colossal. And you're talking about one gigawatt of a wind farm would have in the region of probably 65 to 70, depending on the scale. So these are huge, huge um, structures. And the infrastructure that's required in terms of on the shore base size, I'm sure Pat Keating has spoken to you at length about it, the amount of space alone that you need for laydown um, the, the infrastructure on the shore side, it's its a huge commitment and it's one that needs a really strategic perspective. And I think in fairness to the government and the Shannon Estuary Economic Task Force from an industry perspective, you know, it's really positive to see this level of appetite and ambition. But I think the challenge is how you turn ambition into reality. And we've been waiting for these policy frameworks for quite a number of years. And in fairness, to give credit to the Irish government, 
in all of my experience in over 25 years, this is the most focus I've seen on maritime policy, particularly around maritime spatial planning. But the problem is we can't take a staged approach to this. So at the moment, the government appears to be to be looking at certain areas around the coast in a, in a phased basis. So there's a process at the moment off the south coast to do what's called a designated marine area plan, which is basically to figure out where is the best place to do offshore development, because we have a vast maritime uh, resource. But the problem is, it appears that they're going to go with the south coast first, back to the east coast, potentially back to the south coast again, and then it appears go to the west coast. And I think the key ask from industry and from the task force and from everyone in the west coast is, you know, don't take a staged approach to this. You know, why can't we do these processes in parallel? Because it is an identical process. Right. And uh, it's laid down under the Maritime Area Planning Act. Are you saying then that we are not on the slate here for this important designation? At the moment, I suppose, depending on on who you speak to and different governments, forces, different departments, it, it does appear that at this moment in time, there's going to be a staged approach. And I think... You know, there's a huge amount of resource on the west coast of Ireland. There's very experienced people in the local county councils. There's very experienced, you know, consultants. There are very experienced um, people through the port and through the Shannon Integrated Framework Plan. Like, I mean, you've all worked together in the west coast before in terms of looking at a regional approach. So there's no reason why um, a designated marine area plan, why there couldn't, why, and I would call that it should be done in in line with all the others. And, and are you saying as well, that as an expert in this area, it is essential for us to establish the world leadership we keep being told we could in the Shannon Estuary? Absolutely. I think, you know, everywhere in the world is at an early stage when it comes to floating offshore wind in some respects. And, and, I suppose the challenge for us is when you look at the likes of Scotland um, in the UK, when you look at the Celtic Sea floating round that's just been announced, where the UK government is looking at 4.5 megawatts of flow in its next option. So 4.5 megawatts or sorry, gigawatts of floating offshore wind. So the Crown Estate in the UK has gone ahead. ESB is an Irish company and they're involved in a potential development of a floating offshore wind farm off Scotland. You look at France last week under the EU Green Deal industrial plan, um, they're using all this European drive. And if you look to the European at the moment, Angela van der Leyen has said it, you know, we need to go at speed. You look at what's happening in COP28 at the moment, they're talking about tripling the deployment of renewable energy. Ireland has one of the best offshore assets in terms of floating offshore wind. And yet France is putting four, over four billion on the line to, to right, get right, a right. two floating farms okay. up and running. So obviously these are important questions, particularly from our perspective locally. Have we lost international investment then because we're slow on this? I don't think, uh, I think that's a that's an interesting question to ask. So I suppose factually, if you look at the West Coast of Ireland, we there were two large players involved who, who pulled out because they felt, I mean, it's hard to tell, for, but they definitely did a, a global review of their portfolios and for whatever reasons, they decided that Ireland wasn't at the speed of everyone else for whatever reason. I think it's really positive that ESB brought in Orsted last year or during this year and Simply Blue Group brought in EDF as partners. So that's a huge positive for the region. So it's really positive. I think that there is a a really 
a lens on Ireland at the moment from an, an investment perspective. There's, they are looking to look at these signals and the government is going to publish a raft of policy in March next year. And we have one opportunity to get this right in terms of the floating opportunity. And I think it's really important that the government really puts its hand up and says, you know, we're ready and we're and, able and we've got this massive opportunity. And, and I mean, have I just drunk the Kool-Aid here in terms of this area? But is it not true that the Shannon Estuary and off our coast is actually the best positioned in Ireland for this? So if anything is being fast-tracked, shouldn't it be here? I have to declare a bias here because I'm I'm from Tipperary with grandparents from Limerick and grandparents from Clare. So uh, I'll declare a bias but say that from my, my own experience and I spent uh, 20, over 20 years offshore you know, the, the Shannon Estuary is unique in a lot of respects. I mean, for multiple reasons, but you have the depth of water, you have Shannon Points Port, you have Money Point, you have a huge appetite in the region, you have a natural asset that, that you know, is, is set up. You've got the local um, power generation capacity, you've got the ability to link to the grid, you've got an appetite to look at green hydrogen, but you've also got a phenomenal um, local research capacity like if you look at Dan Toll and UL and his centre for robotics because the, there's so many different layers to this because it's not just about building the turbines you have to be able to service them you have to be able to monitor them remotely you look at UL and the Bernal Institute and um, you know we need to look at composites and research in this area you know so you've got you've got lots of different assets not just the natural resource in the on the west coast but I think at the end of the day this is such a huge opportunity that that you know all of Ireland can benefit here but definitely in terms of floating offshore wind you know the west coast really this is the opportunity for the west coast right. fixed bottom offshore wind would be very challenging bar very close to shore so you need to get offshore to get the scale Okay. And it's, that's where you can get the capacity factors. Okay, uh, we're talking to Marie Gleeson, who's a maritime expert and freelance leadership consultant. D. Ryan is uh, the chief executive of Limerick Chamber. Um, listeners might be scratching their heads slightly here. If, if we understand what Marie is saying, the south coast of Ireland and the east coast of Ireland appear to be getting priority over the best place to do this, which is here. How is that possible? Yeah, I guess, Joe, I suppose, you know, and I, you know, that's the question we're asking government and that's the, that's what we're putting up to them. We're urging them not to take that phased approach that Marie described to you there and not to simply say, yes, we have a landmass. Uh, we have a sea and maritime area that's our economic zone that's over 10 times the size of our country out there in the deep Atlantic and there is a huge resource out there and we'll get to it. We want them to prioritise getting to it. And, and you know, for for the kind of companies that Marie um, just mentioned, the Equinor... Because but, but, but I, I, I know you've been involved in the task force here and you're in contact with the government on this, the, on behalf mm. of Limerick Business. Mm. Have you received an answer as to why the designation is apparently going to the south coast and east coast before here? Oh, OK. Well, what I can say... Well, the... The, we're, we're urging them to do them in tandem. But no, I understand that. But, but I mean, if the they, they don't yeah. appear to be doing, if I'm understanding yeah. the conversation we're having yeah, correctly. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, you are, of course, you are. You know, the rationale for, for tackling the fixed bottom, so there's a difference, the fixed bottom and floating. Fixed bottom is nearer to shore. Um, if they're not as large, and they can connect uh, more directly and more easily um, into, the, into the grid. So fixed bottom is... is 
the faster. Okay, so there is a lot. No, so there is a logic to doing the south coast. There's a logic to doing the south coast and east coast first because we're not doing fixed bottom. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So, so the west coast is less suitable to fixed bottom because of the very high winds, ironically. But it's the floating and the deep water floating that's our opportunity on the west coast, and that has the capacity to generate much more energy, a much higher volume of energy than the fixed bottom. However, so there's a rationale, absolutely. And the fixed bottom will significantly uh, revolutionise um, our energy supply. It will make us, you know, much greener and decarbonise and, and, and a lot of our, our supply. But while we're focused on that, we can't lose sight of the floating offshore wind because that's the opportunity, the early mover advantage, not just to bring in that big energy that will decarbonise the whole country and sell it onto Europe, okay. but also to be the test bed and to be... And, the and, what, and what, what you are essentially saying is, to, to go back to what Marie was saying, mm-hmm. they could do it in tandem. There's no reason in your view that it can't be done in tandem because our problem is if it isn't moved on quickly even with the best will in the world, this takes time. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And, and Marie will speak to you about, she just articulated the timelines there. I mean, as we understand it, even to even to acquire the barges, the very large ships that are needed to transport components, because the supply chain for this is global. You won't be making all of the components for these massive wind turbines the size of the Eiffel Tower in Ireland. You'll be bringing some of it in from, from around the world. And to contract the ships for that, there's a five-year queue. And you won't even get into the queue or you won't even commit to that because of the cost of it until you have your contract from the government for supplying the energy in your hands. And you can't get that contract until you apply to the planning right. okay. so Really, It's a planning permission process that we're seeking um, for the maritime area and we're asking government to accelerate okay. um, the um, where we can do it in the West Coast. Now, Marie, as you said, um, uh, as somebody of this region, you know the tendency that people would have here to be sceptical, let's put it that way, and roll their eyes a bit at the question I'm about to ask. But how big is the potential here for energy production? Uh, so... There's no point in saying infinite because that would be nonsensical. But you look at the size of the maritime resource that's available, you look at the conditions, you look, as I said, at the capacity factors. And, you know, a one gigawatt offshore wind farm, floating offshore wind farm can power up to a million homes. Um, At the moment, you have a number of companies that are looking at the potential of maybe four or five gigawatts off the west coast of Ireland. But ultimately, you're talking you know, even if you look at our, our national domestic need, we need to scale up. So the grid at the moment takes, you know, six, six, six and a half up to seven gigawatts of peak capacity. For us to decarbonize as a country, we're going to need in the region of 28 to 30 gigawatts of power being generated through renewable sources in order to meet our 2050 targets. So that scale alone you know, the, the potential in the maritime is that you have this ability to deploy turbines. And I suppose the, I'd agree with Dee there, and I just want to clarify what I was saying in terms of the south and the east coast is that the, the process involved in the planning side, that designated marine area plan, obviously we have to deploy fixed bottom offshore wind turbines. We have to start the process to meet our decarbonisation targets. So I'm not saying for a minute 
that we don't deploy fixed bottom. We have to deploy fixed bottom turbines, but we also have to get the supply chain going for floating offshore wind turbine in Ireland. So we need to do that process in tandem. It's absolutely essential. And finally and briefly, do you think we have the will and the vision here to do this or will this be one of these situations where 20 years from now we look back and go sure that was a great idea and didn't happen as usual I think absolutely we have the will and the ambition I think um, you know I the, the ambition in the Midwest region alone is absolutely immense and as, as Dee said to sit at the, the chamber dinner and to listen to the absolute alignment of the messaging coming out of the Midwest region. So I think from a political perspective at a national level, that message has been heard. I think we need to turn rhetoric into reality. We need to make ambition a reality and we need to put the supporting structures in place. And that means getting the funding through for Shannon Foyne's poor company early next year. There's a big application needs to go in. And it means being, I mean, Ardna Crush, the, the Taoiseach himself referred to our, our, this project as our moonshot, our Ardna Crusher 2.0. So, so all the terminology is there. We just need to ring fence it now and deliver it okay. because this is such a massive opportunity and that coastal community regeneration. And just to be clear as well, in case anyone's listening, Joe, you know, this, this is a complex project. There, there are environmental um, considerations to be taken into account. So the sooner we get these processes in place to figure out where's the best place to deploy this, this, the most environmentally and ecologically sound place, that's really, really important. And we need to get everyone's view, fishing community, environmental, right. as well as industry. So we need to get oh, going. Okay. Okay, well, look, we, we we will obviously continue to focus on it into 2024 because it, it is, well, as you say, potentially massive for the region and the country. And thank you very much for talking to us this morning. Marie Gleeson, who's a maritime expert, and Dee Ryan, who is the chief executive of Limerick Chamber, the business body. Your views, your news, your